Well, we're going to uh, just read uh, a verse or two of Scripture together uh, as it comes on the screen uh, in just a, a moment. Uh, one of the uh, New Testament pictures uh, that uh, really fulfills what we read about in Nehemiah is the, the building of the church. And in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul explains God's purpose or intent uh, in the church, which is to show his manifold wisdom. So uh, this verse, a couple of verses uh, we uh, have heard before as we've looked at Nehemiah, and I think it will be helpful uh, if we can put them into our memories. Uh, scripture memories uh, perhaps a lost art in many ways, but it's something that is really important uh, that we uh, should be able to do. So I'm not going to ask you to stand, you can remain seated, uh, and we'll read these words uh, from Ephesians chapter 3 together uh, before turning to Nehemiah. So let's, let's read these words. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, if you turn uh, now to Nehemiah uh, chapter 3, uh, in the church Bibles, that's page four hundred. And 85, Nehemiah chapter 3. And we've been looking at uh, how uh, God is building his church and how we are involved in that as his people as we look at this Old Testament book of Nehemiah. Uh, in chapter 1, uh, we uh, studied the fact that Nehemiah sees the need uh, of his people. Uh, then in chapter 1, in the second half, he seeks the Lord. Then he seized the opportunity at the beginning of chapter 2. And then last week, he set about the work as he goes to Jerusalem. So he sees the need, he seeks the Lord, he seizes the opportunity, he sets about the work. And tonight, we see how the people as a whole stand up and be counted. Now, Nehemiah chapter 3 it is a catalogue of long-forgotten names and places that are recorded to show us the importance of standing up and being counted among those who serve in God's work. And in the Old Testament, we see that these people were involved in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And for us in the New Testament, it's the being involved in the building of the Church of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read chapter 3. Uh, you'd have to forgive me if uh, I get my tongue twisted with some of these names. Uh, they aren't that easy to read. I have uh, practiced a little bit, um, and I've listened to David Suchet read it on the uh, NIV online. I almost got him to read it at church, but he rejected the invitation. Uh, so I'm going to read uh, Nehemiah chapter 3, uh, and uh, it just seems like a list of names, uh, but there's purpose behind why God records these words, and that's why it's important that we read them together. So, Nehemiah chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachur, son of Imri, built next to them. 
The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hasenah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezebel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Baana, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The Jasana gate was repaired by Joyada, son of Pasea, and Meshalem, son of Basadea. They laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men from Gibeon and Mizpah, Melatiah of Gibeon and Jadon of Meronoth, places under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of Harahiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Rephaiah, son of Hur, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jediah, son of Haramath, made repairs opposite his house, and Hattush, son of Hashabaniah, made repairs next to him. Malchijah, son of Harim, and Hashab, son of Pehath Moab, repaired another section of the tower and the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. The valley gate was repaired by Hanan and the residents of Zanoah. They rebuilt it and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. They also repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. The dung gate was repaired by Malchijah, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakarim. He rebuilt it and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalon, son of Kolhosa, ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over and putting its doors and bolts and bars in place. He also repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam by the king's garden, as far as the steps going down from the camp, city of David. Beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, ruler of a half-district of Beth-zur, made repairs up to a point opposite the tombs of David as far as the artificial pool and the house of the heroes. Next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites under Rahum, son of Bani. Beside him, Hashabiah, ruler of the half-district of Keilah, carried out repairs for his district. Next to him, the repairs were made by their fellow Levites under Binuai, son of Henadad ruler of the other half-district of Keilah. Next to him, Ezer, son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section from a point facing the ascent of the armory as far as the angle of the wall. Next to him, Barak, son of Zabai, zealously repaired another section from the angle of the en- to the entrance of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Next to him, Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, repaired another section from the entrance of Eliashib's house to the end of it. The repairs next to him were made by the priests from the surrounding region. Beyond them, Benjamin and Hashab made repairs in front of their house, 
And next to them, Azariah, son of Maasiah, the son of Ananiah, made repairs beside his house. Next to him, Binuai, son of Henadad, repaired another section from Azariah's house to the angle and the corner. And Palal, son of Uzai, worked opposite the angle and the tower projecting from the upper place near the court of the guard. Next to him, Pediah, son of Perosh, and the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel made repairs up to a point opposite the water gate towards the east and the projecting tower. Next to them, the men of Tekoa repaired another section from the great projecting tower to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Immer, made repairs opposite his house. Next to him, Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, the guard at the east gate, made repairs. Next to him, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section. Next to them, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, made repairs opposite his living quarters. Next to him, Malchijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants, opposite the inspection gate and as far as the room above the corner. And between the room above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and merchants made repairs. This is the word of God. And every name written here is put there because God wanted their name there. Uh, Many of you will know uh, this uh, story, uh, that in the early uh, 1960s, when uh, the American president had said that they will put a man on the moon, uh, John F. Kennedy, that president, visited the NASA headquarters where this uh, project to put a man on the moon was taking place. And famously, he spoke to one of the janitors and asked the man, what do you do? And the janitor replied, I am helping put a man on the moon. The janitor recognized that his role was, a bigger, it was part of a bigger vision where each role in NASA had a part to play in putting a man on the moon. His job was important. And he recognized that from the janitor to the astronauts that landed there, everyone had a part to play in that amazing project. And the same principle applies here in Nehemiah. If you were going round the wall and you were to ask one of them, what are you doing? They would be able to say, we are part of building the walls around Jerusalem. We are repairing this wall and the gates around this city for the glory of the name of our Lord. And the same principle applies in the church. Each one of us has a part to play in the work of Pelsall Evangelical Church, the goal of which is to make disciples of Jesus Christ in this area where we live. And Pelsall Evangelical Church is part of the worldwide church, the goal of which is to make the manifold wisdom of God known to the rulers and authorities, to bring glory to God effectively to the whole universe. That is the role that each one of his people have to play. And in Nehemiah 3, we see the names of those 
who worked on the wall and the locations where they worked. And the passage is structured in this way. Nehemiah goes around the wall anti-clockwise and explains what's happening with the gates which had been burnt down. He explains the persons who are involved in repairing each of the gates. And then he goes around again, around the wall, and explains who is repairing each part of this wall. And all of them are involved in the greater work of restoring the walls so that the name of God will be uplifted and Israel will be removed from disgrace. The purpose of the chapter is in effect to honor those who were involved, to show how they all had a part to play. And the way we're going to look at it tonight is not to go through uh, verse by verse and look at every single name. Uh, We would not have the time and maybe not the will to live if I was to do that to you. But rather, uh, we are going to draw lessons from the chapter and the list of names uh, and see lessons from the repeated words and themes which we find in this chapter. So we're going to see four lessons from this list of names in Nehemiah chapter 3. And the first lesson we see is, at the very beginning of the chapter, it's that this is a community that is driven from the front. A community that's driven from the front. So in chapter 2 and verse 18, if you look at that uh, verse, at the end of the verse, after Nehemiah has given this appeal to, to work, they said, let us start rebuilding. And then in chapter 3 and verse 1, they begin the work. It says, Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. But notice how the first people to respond, or the first people that are recorded, are the high priests, the spiritual leaders of Israel. They rebuild the sheep gate, and it's probably called the sheep gate because that would have been the gate that the sheep went through in order to go to the temple uh, to be sacrificed. And notice how the priests here dedicate the work to God. It says in verse 1, they dedicated it and set its doors in place. Uh, To dedicate it is to say this work is a sacred work. This work is a work that is done for God. It's a special work. And it was also, the wall we'll see, dedicated at its completion But at the very beginning, the spiritual leaders of Israel made sure the people were aware they are working for the Lord here. Every brick that they put in place on this wall, every bar that they set on a gate, this is God's work for his people. Now before applying this to us, I want to make a caveat, and that is this. In the the New Testament, we don't have priests in the same sense as the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the priest would be the one through whom access to God was given. The people would go to the priest who would speak to God on their behalf, making sacrifices for them on on their behalf. In the New Testament, we have Jesus Christ, the great high priest, who is the once and for all sacrifice for sin to give all his people access to God. We don't need a priest 
like the Old Testament. But we do, in the New Testament church, have spiritual leaders. We have elders who set the direction of the church. And like these leaders here, the elders of a church must lead by their example and remind the church through their example and through their words that the work of the church is a work for the glory of God. In fact, not only the elders of a church, but every person in the church who is in any form of leadership needs to be leading from the front by example in the leadership that they have. We shouldn't ever ask of somebody else to do something that we are not prepared to put the effort in in ourselves. A community of God's people doing God's work in God's way need leaders who will lead and remind people that this is God's work. And in fact, that's the role that Paul describes in Ephesians chapter 4 for the church leadership. He says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So the role of the, of the leaders is to equip people so that they can work for God in the church, so that the church is built up for the glory of God. So I encourage you to pray for your elders in this regard, and pray for the leaders of all the different ministries we have in the church, that we would lead by example, pointing people to God, knowing that it is a work for God and reminding others that as we do whatever work we do in the church, it is a work for God, for his glory. So the first thing we see just in those first couple of verses is that a community that is driven from the front. But secondly, it's a community that is drawn together. Uh, When we were reading Nehemiah chapter 3, you may have noticed that the most common phrase that we read in this chapter is the phrase next to him or next to them or beside him. Uh, Those words, next to him or beside him, occur 28 times from my count uh, in chapter 3 of Nehemiah. And the image you get as you read the chapter is as Nehemiah takes us round the walls and kind of introduces us to each person, you go in around looking at all the people next to one another so that the whole wall is surrounded by the people of God doing the work. Nehemiah can introduce you to each one by their name and they, he knows what they're doing, but he doesn't run out of people as he circles the wall because there's someone next to them all the time. It's a, a community drawn together to do this, this common work. And God's, God's work in God's church and in this church is not a spectator sport. We don't go to church like we might go to, to Villa Park where there are 40,000 people there badly uh, in need of exercise watching 22 people badly in need of a rest. That's not how the church works. Every person in the church should be involved in the life of the church. It is not a spectator sport. This uh, chapter sees every uh, person working in different roles, doing different amounts, 
doing different things, but together they are getting the work done. And it is an immense task, this, this rebuilding of the wall. Nehemiah seems to break it down into 41 different parts with the gates and the walls. But each person is plugged into their part in this undertaking. And it's a real honor, I would say, for these people to be on this list, isn't it? Now, of course, we don't work for God so that we can have our name glorified. But isn't it an honor to be a member of this church, to be able to say I'm with this group of people serving our Lord to try and make disciples in Pelsor and the surrounding areas. That it is an honor to be a part of God's work, wherever that work may be. But there is an alternative to being involved. Look at verse 5. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The literal translation of that is they would not put their necks to the work. In other words, they were stiff-necked and stubborn. They would not work under the supervisors that Nehemiah had put them under. And you get the impression here that in their community, they were the nobles, they were the the rulers, the leaders, but in the kingdom of God here, they were put under supervisors who they felt were below them. And so they would not submit, bend their neck, if you like, to the supervisors that were in place over them. And sadly, we see this kind of behavior in churches all the time, don't we? People who will not submit to those who are over them in the Lord. People who won't listen to a preacher because they might not like the, them very much or they, uh, they might feel superior to them. Uh, we might uh, not submit because we feel like, well, I, I'm much more experienced. I could do this job much better. Don't be like the nobles of Tekoa because don't they stick out in this chapter? They're the only ones in this whole chapter that this kind of behavior is described of. If you won't serve the Lord, it seems here that it is noted by him. How much better to be named among those who play their part. So it's a community that is is drawn together But there are a few of those who will not join in. Third lesson, it's a community that is dedicated. A community that's dedicated. Now, we're going to see a bit later on that this task of building the wall was completed in just 52 days, which was a remarkable feat which shows the general dedication of this group of people. But in this list, there are a few names that really stick out for their dedication. Uh, First of all, just uh, turn to verse 20. Uh, verse, uh, Verse 20, it says, Next to him, Barak, son of Zebai, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. 
Barak here is noted, and he's the only one noted in this way, for his zeal. He zealously did his part of the work. In the New Testament, actually, we as Christians are called to be zealous. So Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So we're supposed to have zeal as well. Zeal is an eager desire. It's a a hard work that comes from a passion burning in the heart. And Barak here joyfully and with fervor repaired his section of the wall. Uh, And and he would have inspired others with his zeal. I'm sure you can think of of Christians who inspire you. you, you, You're next to them and their zeal is wonderful to behold. We should aspire to that as well in our lives, to be zealous in our service of the Lord. Maybe your spiritual fervor has been dampened somewhat. Look at someone like Barak. Let's be zealous in our service. So there's, there's him, but look also in uh, verse 4 at the man called Merimoth, son of Uriah. Uh, in verse 4, we find him uh, repairing the fish gate. And he's interesting for a couple of reasons. The first of which, he also is mentioned in the book of Ezra. Uh, Ezra, in chapter 8, is traveling to Jerusalem to establish the law after the temple had been rebuilt. And this was many years before the events of Nehemiah. Let me read uh, uh, what it says in Ezra chapter 8 and verse 32, or 33 to 34. It says, On the fourth day... In the house of our God, we weighed out the silver and gold and the sacred articles into the hands of who? Merimoth, son of Uriah the priest. Eleazar, son of Phinehas, was with him, and so were the Levites, Jozabad, son of Jeshua, and Noadiah, son of Binoi. Everything was accounted for by number and weight, and the entire weight was recorded at that time. So 12 years around about before the events of Nehemiah, Here is Merimoth serving his Lord as they've gone to Jerusalem. And he is a trusted man because they entrusted him with accounting for the the money that they were taking with them. A position of trust. And here he is in, in Nehemiah, 12 years later, still serving the Lord. This time in something completely different to accountancy, he's rebuilding his part of the gate. Uh, Every so often, because my family still live uh, in Devon, uh, my family go down and visit them. Uh, And if we're there on a Sunday, we always go uh, to the church that we were members of for many years before we moved to Pelsall. And it is a joy when we go back there to see people still serving the Lord with zeal, having been gone now for, uh, for eight and a half years. And some of those who are serving there Uh, were ones that led me to Christ and had been serving there for decades. It's a joy to see them still going after all these years. And in our church, there are many of you I know who have served God for many decades and are still serving Jesus. That is an honorable thing to the Lord, isn't it? 
But that's not all about Merimoth. Look at verse 21. In verse 21, we're talking here about a section of the wall rather than the gate. And Barak, who was really zealous, uh, was, was building his part. But next to him, here he is again, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, repaired another section from the entrance of Eliashib's house to the end of it. So Merimoth here has finished his part of the gate. He's done that work. And rather than say, well, I've done my bit. I'm going to now sit back, have a cup of tea. Uh, I've done 12 years doing accountancy. I've rebuilt the gate. I'm done. No, he doesn't do that, does he? He finishes his part of the wall. He probably goes to Nehemiah and he says, Nehemiah, where else can I serve the Lord? And so Nehemiah says, well, we've got this really zealous guy called Barak. Maybe he needs to calm down a bit. You've got a lot of experience. Uh, go help him uh, and, and, and help him uh, work next to him in building that part of the wall. What a wonderful attitude to finish one part and to say, how else can I serve my Lord? What can I do next? That's dedication, isn't it? Let's not have an attitude of, I've done my time. I've, I've served God. I've, I've done it for years. And so it's time for someone else to do it now. Now, of course, there's times when work finishes and we need to move on to something else. But let's not give up serving the Lord. As Paul says, keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. In fact, you can't keep your spiritual fervor without serving the Lord. And then the next person I want to just point out, or the next group of people, are in verse 27. It says, next to them, the men of Tekoa repaired another section from the great projecting tower to the wall of Ophel. Now this is interesting because the men of Tekoa had been at the fish gate, but their nobles would not humble themselves and serve underneath the supervisors Nehemiah put in place. But even though their nobles had a bad attitude, the men of Tekoa were very different. They did not follow the example of their leaders, but like Merimoth, when they finished their part of the gate, they went and served at another part of the wall. And let me say this, even if you are in a situation where your parents or your teachers or your employers or even fellow church members set a bad example in service, you can still serve the Lord with distinction and in fact are called to do so. It's a sad thing when we have bad examples in our life, but they're not an excuse for giving up yourself. The men of Tekoa are examples in this regard, aren't they? And there are others that we could read and go through who did more than one part of the wall, but I'm sure uh, just from those few examples you get the point. But what about you? Have you lost some of your zeal and spiritual fervor? Would dedicated be an adjective that would describe your relationship to the local church? 
If it doesn't, well, may these names convict us of our lack of dedication. So we see in this chapter a community that's led, uh, driven from the front. It is drawn together. It is dedicated. And finally, we see a community that has diversity in unity. Uh, The way the chapter's written shows a lot of diversity among the kinds of people involved here. Uh, There were people from different places. So there was people that came from outside of Jerusalem and came in. So in verse 2, for example, we see people from Jericho. Uh, In verse 13, residents of Zenoah. So it wasn't all people that just lived uh, in the uh, real extreme um, extreme, uh, closeness of Jerusalem, but people from uh, all over Israel had come. And Nehemiah, of course, had come all the way uh, from um, uh, Persia. But in the church also, don't we see the same kind of thing? People who come from different nations, different places, but with the common cause of making disciples of Jesus Christ. So there's different places. We see people of different professions. Uh, In verse 1, we see there were priests. Uh, But look uh, down to verse 8, and we see an interesting pair here working together. It says, Uziel, son of uh, Harahiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Uh, So here we have um, a a goldsmith and a perfume maker building together a gate. It's an interesting uh, combination there. Uh, I'm sure they had the skills to to, to build the gate. I'm sure the gate wasn't uh, full of uh, gold dust and smelt really nice. I'm sure they focused on what they were supposed to be doing. But it's interesting to see there that there are different professions uh, working together to do the work that God had called them to. And again, in the church, don't we see people that come from different jobs, bringing different skills, uh, all coming together with the same purpose? Uh, then we see people from different parts of the social scale. Uh, if, if you scan down verses 9 uh, to 16, uh, we see that repairs are being done there by rulers of different uh, areas. So there's Uh, Rulers of of the half-district of Jerusalem, for example, there uh, in verse 9. In verse 14, the ruler of the district of Beth Harakam. So there were rulers from different areas who were in charge of their areas, but they come and around the wall, they get involved with everybody else. Now, you may be in your community or your your job a, a person of high position or influence. Uh, in the, uh, and you may be uh, a member of parliament. You may be all sorts of different things. But in the church, we are all one together doing the same, uh, having the same purpose, the same goal in the work that we do. And in the church, one of the most wonderful things is when you see people from totally different ends of, uh, of, the, of, a, of a social scale or of uh, nations or Uh, of backgrounds, but they come together and in the church, they pick up the bricks, pick up the tools, and they start building and they do it together with the common cause. It's a a wonderful picture uh, of what goes on in the church. And it doesn't matter, by the way, if you are a ruler in your workplace or in your community, 
It doesn't matter in the church. Of course, those, uh, you may have gifts that you can use in the church, but you're no better than anyone else. And here we see that played out, whereas, where the rulers in those communities stooped down and worked with everybody else. And finally, just notice uh, this lovely little phrase in verse 12. Uh, it says, Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of a half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. It doesn't say he doesn't have any sons. Don't think it matters too much. But the girls are involved in the work of God too. They are there. Uh, it doesn't say that they, they had to carry bricks that were a little lighter. Uh, they were just as much involved as everybody else in doing the work of the kingdom of God. And in fact, all through uh, the scriptures, uh, we see the work of women valued as they play a key part in salvation history and in the New Testament, a key part in the church of Jesus Christ. And in our church, uh, I, I, want, I just want to make it clear that we value the work of the women of this church who do so much in so many various ways. And it's a, again, this is a wonderful picture, isn't it, of what the church of Jesus Christ is about. Men and women from different nations, different backgrounds, coming together to serve our Lord in the work of his church. And in fact, this is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Nehemiah here in this chapter is honoring those involved in service. And as a church, we should give thanks for those in our church, both now and in the past, who have faithfully served the Lord Jesus Christ in this place. This chapter should encourage us to keep going, to spur us on in the work that we do for our Lord Jesus. But it could also, and should for some, also challenge us to get involved in being part of the body of Christ. When you are asked, what do you do in Pelsall Evangelical Church? You can say, I am helping building the church of Jesus Christ, which is going to show the manifold wisdom of God to the whole universe. Going to the moon was an amazing feat. It was amazing. And I'm sure it was an amazing project to be part of. But this is so much greater. Because in the time when Jesus returns, I'm sure we may have conversations about the moon landings, but this is what we'll be most excited about. This is what's going to last forever. And this is what Nehemiah is urging us to get involved in. Well, our final uh, song is a song of, uh, of dedication. Uh, we've talked about uh, a community that is, is dedicated in its uh, service uh, of the Lord. And our final song uh, is really a prayer of dedication uh, that we pray to God. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Let's stand uh, as we sing together. <laughs>